Need to update that one, I reckon. Righto. Welcome, everybody. Uh, it's uh, another week, another guest episode. We have a very special guest with us tonight. How are you, anyway, Danny, uh, the publican? I'm all right, mate. Going well. What have you been up to? It's been a busy week. Uh, I don't know if anyone saw it, but the Crows had, had a victory. Did they? Wouldn't have read about it. I was at 40th, so I was real fucking happy about that schedule mix-up. <laughs> well, uh, you've missed out on a good show. Uh, Fox finally replayed it this morning. You couldn't watch it? No, they've fucking condensed all their replays. Oh, well, that's not going to help you. But um, we have got a, a Crows man here to enlighten us on the, on the, on the performance. Uh, special guest tonight is Brent Radar Riley. How are you, mate? Good, thank you, boys. Thanks for having me. Thanks for coming in. Good to see you again, mate. Um, speaking of that game, where'd that come from? Yeah, a lot of people have asked me where that's come from because I remember we had training on uh, last Thursday and the, uh, we was, uh, the SNFL was playing as Geelong would um, in any other game against the... And then the, AFC, the AFL, AFL, AFC team would play against the essentially our SNFL Geelong team. Yeah. And we pants them. The SNFL guys actually uh, pulled their pants down. We we we, we beat the uh, AFL team oh, at, really? at training, and I remember we walking off, and I was thinking, "Geez, I don't know how how, how much really." Um, although we, the the weeks leading up, uh, James James Riley, who's in a, who's a uh, forwards coach at, at at the footy club now, he's been at the Geelong for ever oh, ever. <laughs> so he's worked out how to beat him, and uh, he came up with a game plan and. We've worked out at it over the last couple of weeks and um, it just clicked on the day. Here's the blueprint. You could see and we forced them into a handball game, which they don't like. They like to maintain possession and, um, yeah, we did a great job and we got the job done. Do you think that um, the, I suppose, the, the old legs of Geelong probably didn't help them as well with all the pace that you guys brought on the yeah, day? Yeah, we're pretty fortunate. We've had a, a month to train more than what they have because, obviously, grown finalists and I dare say some of their older players wouldn't have came back until mid Mid to late January, probably. Um, so they'll they'll build into the season fine. Well, they got uh, Brisbane this week, so one of the one of those two are going to be zipping too, which you probably wouldn't have thought. But yeah, watching that game at, at half time, I was sitting there and I thought, "Fuck, where where's this been?" But in, in saying that, the young players we've had, um, I don't think Adelaide year last year was as bad as it looked on paper either. We lost a lot of games by what under ten points, and and you were there in a lot of them. Um, but jeez. As a Crow supporter, that was so good to watch. Um, knowing everything that's been put into it and all the young lads have been playing, that was brilliant. Yeah. What yep. uh, What did you think, Danny? Because I know you've Fox. picked him in your eight. Probably the only pe- one oh, of the really? early. Pe- I don't think I picked him in my eight, have I? <laughs> yeah. You said the climbers, the climbers of the year. We had it. You had it as Adelaide. So was I tipped him last week. Well, which there's a few around here. Not happy that I'm <laughs> top of the uh, tips, but. It's only round one, so I've got plenty of time to fuck that up. So, with your, did with you ever win? No. <laughs> oh, sorry, I did. I had a bet with a, an idiot at work. He gave me eight to one odds, and I had twenty on that, so yep. that was good. Um, the development stuff that you're leading up now. Um, a lot of those players, obviously, have been you've been working with for the last what, three years, four, four years. years. Yep. Yeah. So, was that just? Everyone talks up how big a win was and you don't want to get carried away with it, but watching all those young lads doing what they did, uh, probably a bit, of, a bit of reward after the last few years. Yeah, he sort of we gave a few of those guys a bit of a run last year and um, I worked really close with um, 
Will Hamill and um, Jordan Butts and Lachlan Scholl and these sort of kids coming through. Um, I took them under my wing and um, uh, we helped them as much as possible as coaches and uh, they, they were the back one at the time, young backs coming through. We had a year of SNFL footy and, um, you know, those guys have come from under 18 footy to play against men and in the SNFL and you just saw them grow as the year went on. Yeah, they had their, had their influxes yeah. of, of poor poor performances but at the same time they were, they were there, they were willingness to get better and um, that, that's all you need as a young kid. You need to... You need to accept where you are and uh, understand the process that, that you've got to get to, to to be the best AFL player you can be. And um, yeah, to watch Butsy on the weekend do a fantastic job on Hawkins was, I don't know, still got tingles in the back, yeah. of, my, back of my neck now. Yeah. Uh, uh, Sholly last year, how he came on. And, uh, I, reckon we, we, I reckon he's the pick of the bunch. We worked really hard with mm. Sholly um, when he first came over and um, he, he's, a, he's a workhorse. Um, he deserves what he gets at the moment because he's put all the work in, um, and he's only going to get better too because he's just so diligent with his with his performance, with his training, with his recovery. He's a pro, um, and and when you're a pro, you're going to get the best out of yourself. And he's just stepped straight into that professional side yep, and, yep. and taken it. He's taken it to, to another level, and um, he's got great guys to learn off, like Tex and Sonny. So, um, and that is yeah, enough. I reckon we haven't seen the best of him yet. Like he's not. No. Like Who? Uh, Shaw. Shaw. Like, mm. Yeah. Like the other blokes, the same age as his. Yeah, him have yeah. seemed to show a little bit more early. But yeah. oh, what was that? There was one game last year where he. Oh, you should have got the rising star. Yeah, against Carl. Yeah, yeah. yeah. got shafted. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but Hamill last year, early. Yep. Before the Melbourne game, he was real good. Yeah, yeah. Wilbur, Wilbur's a he's a great one-on-one defender, and he's got serious speed. Um, so at the moment we're just trying to see if we can find that ball more to yep. use his speed and use his legs and yep. get that you know that Brady Smith made his gained type of player and now the other one I worked really close with was Andrew McPherson who um, came on off you know his body was essentially paper mache <laughs> um, and he had to work really hard at building his body up to be strong to get through the rigors of AFL footy and and you watched him play. Last year, even the year before that, he just he got the opportunities to play and got his opportunity last year against West Coast and um, he just fitted straight in. He looked like he's played 200 games of footy already. So. Didn't you say he'd be our best 36 ever? That's what you said. <laughs> the best one's clearly Dean Gore. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, working with the young lads, does do you go back to when, uh, when you were drafted and your experience when you came here? Because you were uh, 17? Were you 18? 18 yeah. You were 18. Yeah. Yep. Fresh face, fresh face, straight over. Straight over the cot. <laughs> were, you, were you pumped to come here? Not really. No. <laughs> <laughs> Not really. There's a photo of um, uh, the day I got drafted because uh, I went into the draft and sitting there with you know, uh, Juddy was there, Hodgie was there, Luke Ball was there, um, Jimmy Bartel oh, was the, there. You, you were in the draft. I was draft. in that draft there, yeah, and yeah. I was sitting there, and I remember sitting next to James Kelly and. Um, uh, Adelaide came out. I got a phone call the night before from Hawthorne saying, if you're in the pick 16, they had pick 16, um, we'll pick you up. It's like, oh, great. Hey, God, is this going to be? stay home. I'll stay at home. I'll, you know, a bit of a trek down to, down to um, um, uh, Glen, Ferry, Glen Ferry Road down there from, from Romsey. And uh, I was thinking, how good is this going to be? And I knew the Crows were on the radar. Uh, pardon, there's no pun that at all. <laughs> uh, and... Uh, yep, Crows uh, pick 12, Brent Riley. And there's a photo, if, if you Google it, you can have a look at There's a photo of mum and my sister in absolute tears. I have seen that. <laughs> that's, that's a family that's in devastated. Abs- in absolute tears. And um, 
to this day, I think Mum's still waiting for me to give her that phone call to tell I'm coming home. So, uh, well, there's a few photos that have happened where people have been drafted and they haven't looked. I reckon it was a Braun this year from GWS. He might have topped you. He <laughs> he looked like he had been told you're never playing footy ever again. He was shattered. <laughs> so yeah. um, when you, when you did come over though, it's um, obviously you had those that the anxiety. You're leaving home first time out of home um, with these kids coming over from Victoria. Obviously, got a bit of a bit of knowledge to be able to help them with that. Yeah, it's a little bit different now. Um, when I first came over, there was still the player development manager, but there was no real um, development coaches to to help and guide you through. And um, and then you come out. So back then, that was when I had to go. You do you do your normal AFL draft, and then you go come over here, and you got to do the SNFL draft. Oh, that's right. And they'd put mini you in the side there. And, you, yeah. and then you got to go out and you got to go play it where it was not old Sturt. Sturt. And I went out to Sturt thinking, oh, yeah, you're right, I'll just come straight in and play and um, play that league footy. And no, that wasn't the case because they were, they were a great team and they won the flag that year. And, <laughs> I even uh, started the twos. Took me, yeah, it took me a while to get a game <laughs> in, the, in the ones and um, it was about halfway through the year and played a couple of games and then I was lucky enough to get one game for the for the um, Crows and... Um, it was one of those games where I thought, oh, oh, how am I going to go here? And I love that, that that game. Yeah, I got one touch and probably one tackle. I think well, didn't didn't touch Correct. the ball at all. And uh, it was actually a great exponent for me to to play that game and go, oh shit, I've got a fair bit of work to do here. Yeah. And this is what I'm going to do, and this is how I'm going to go about it. And um, 2003, I got injured. I got a, broke my collarbone again. Um, and then yeah, just just felt homesick. So for that whole year and. I was almost going to go home. I was very close uh, until your, your brother uh, <laughs> took me under his wing. And uh, to this day, I, th- I thank him very much for what he's done. And I'm still here today. And who knows, I've been well, here 20 years now. And who would have thought? Well, that's the thing. you got um, people talk about the, the Victorian players. or don't draft them. They're always going to go home. It's, it's, the, it's the, the, the few that give that perception because you, you're still here today. Um, Sloney signed on yep. From what he's saying he, This is his home now yep. And there's plenty of Victorian blokes That came here and, and never went back And they still live here To to, uh, to this day Yeah well, the, the process and As I touched on before The process When I first came over There wasn't You know You didn't have those Development coaches You had one player development manager Who wasn't really qualified In the psychology space To understand what was, what was required The club wasn't the best Of getting the parents over And uh, engaging the parents At the footy club they, they tried But they didn't do it as well As what they do now mm. So all the kids That come over now From wherever they're from Around Australia Get helped out so much And, and get guided through what, What's required um, Housing um, Cars Furniture all those things that they need to learn and mm. just normal life. Make you feel at home. And it makes you feel like home. Um, you know, a lot, of, a lot of lot of girlfriends have come over. Um, they've supported them finding them a job. So the club have done it really, really well. Um, even though we've lost all these players, um, you know, all these good players that we have lost over the time, the club's learnt from that and they've learnt what's required and what's needed. So it's really, really important that the club keep doing that and keep pursuing what they're trying to do to keep the players here. We say the, the, the players we've lost as well, though, but um, it's a different time now where there's free agency, there's a shitload more money being thrown at players who, not saying they don't deserve it, but you have to pay overs to pry someone someone out. So um, back then, obviously, it could have been a different lure for Victorians, but it's a lot different now. Yeah, it, it, and that, that's the landscape that they've created. They're, they're going with the American model and... 
which is all all fine. But I'm I'm a, I'm a loyal. My, one of my values is loyalty, and I do find it hard how these boys can just the club picks them up at a young age and they just decide to go home and go to a different club. And uh, I do find that hard, and I'm still trying to accept that because um, I have to because it's just the, the, the environment that the, that the AFL created. Because it didn't, it wasn't. I suppose it wasn't as prevalent back then where you'd have so much moves. It was only the guys who were maybe not getting a game or yeah. um, not getting a regular game would, would seek elsewhere. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but you're getting guys who are A-graders going, right, where am I going to be next year? Um, and from a supporter side, you sit there and go, oh, where's your loyalty? But then you start to realise in this day and age it is a it is a business too. And as you can see with Trelaw, <laughs> If it isn't if it isn't uh, helping yeah. the bottom line, they'll, they'll move you on pretty quick. It loyalty goes both ways. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, how, how long into your career before you felt comfortable? Uh, it was probably it was probably when um, so when when Simon Simon took me under his wing. I remember going to his house and having dinner, and he essentially just slapped me across the face and told me to wake up. Um, really, uh, and then from that day. He took me under his wing. He taught me how to train, and he's he was and you'd know Luke. He was an ultimate professional. Um, he taught me everything that was required to be an AFL player and be the best AFL AFL player you can be. And I uh, really appreciate that. And then it was probably wasn't until 2004 when Craigie took over. Um, I did a lot of work with Craigie. Uh, he was an assistant coach when I first came over, and he t- taught me a little bit how to train. But until he took over, that's when he took the whole group to another level. And you saw us in that 2005, 2006 season. Oh, we, were, we were unbelievable because we were so fit. Yeah. And that, that was the, the – we should have won flags in that period, but that was the – even though we won 97, 98, I still to the day think that was the best era of Adelaide oh, football yeah. where we dominated for three years, didn't get it. But it, the way you moved it off half-back yeah. and you'd hit up your forwards, it was – yeah. yeah. And then that was just that was just due from you know, Craigie's obviously experience in his sports science background and – yeah, we train hard. We train hard a bit too much at times. Um, killed a few blokes. But in the end, it just taught us what it took and what it required. Um, and over that whole time, that you know, that 2004, 2005 period, that's probably when I had that self-belief. And I feel like I, I, I was um, a required player and um, wanted for the footy club. And that was when I took my game to the next level. You, you, you moved to the back flank, became a bit of a rebound defender. What... what was that mid mid career or no, take a while to get to that? When Craigie took over, he put me at half back. Um, so end of the whole two thousand four season, I played all half back and played some good footy. Um, but I was always always I was drafted to take over from Goody, Rue, Tyson, Bungie, those sort of guys coming through. Myself, Tomo, they just hung around too long. Yeah, <laughs> myself, Tomo, uh, Hayden Skipworth at the time. These guys were the next crop coming through. Um, and it did, it took a while. Dogger, Dogger was the other one who was trying to get in there too. And uh, it was really it was really hard for us to get in there and there was not much rotations. I remember I, I would always, Rue and I would be there. I would swap with Rue. He'd never come off. Um, <laughs> he'd always yell at me, get fuck off radar. And, uh, so I didn't, get much, didn't get much time, but it was, it was that 2005 season. It was just a good learning curve for myself and... Um, and then 2006, that's when I, I got uh, almost cemented that midfield sort of spot uh, and started playing some good footy and um, played midfield throughout uh, until I went to halfback in 2012. Do you, do you look back and, and look at the, the names that you were playing with and the, the midfield you were a part of 
and just think, shit, I was pretty blessed, like, not taking anything away from other Adelaide sides, but you really got to play and be a part of a, a very elite side. Absolutely, um, you always do it. Um, always think about, even like now, I look at the, the boys coming through, I was thinking, oh, who's, who's the next one, you know? Who's that next one that's going to, you know, we drafted Danger and I thought, oh, here we go, we've got something going here. And <coughs> Excuse me. Um, it just took a while to, for it's still taking a while for our club to work out who those guys were and what they did for the footy club because mm. um, they hadn't they're coming out of your ears. And um, you, yeah. s- you speak of when you said Simon took out the wings. It's it's weird hearing that. I know he took a lot of people on his wings, but as a kid, Simon was never the loud one, the leader. Like get on my get on my back, I'll, I'll drag you through. But then when you hear blokes like you, Bernie Vince. Um, other fellas, even the Melbourne players speak of him now. Um, it is still, I can't picture it sometimes, yeah. but you're right, he was the ultimate professional and, and it rubbed off on a lot of people. Um, obviously, you're trying to do that now. Do the, pick up the young guys and drag them through. Yeah, and that's that's the whole, you know, I, um, when I retired, I, I just, I'm sure we'll touch on it later. Um, when I retired, I just wanted to get away from footy for a little bit and just, I don't know, just have a year off and not worry about it. And then as it, as it went on, I learned stuff about resilience and, and well-being and I thought, how can I marry this up to take into my coaching? Um, and this opportunity came up at the, cl- at the club and went through the whole process and, and I was great, grateful to get the job. And I always, I reminded like Heathy and he was one that always reminded me to, mate, think about your experience and use your experience to help the others. So always have that. Every time I'm talking to a player, sometimes these players these days don't understand what was or what's required. And they're really, I don't know, they're, they're, what do they call the millennials or I'm not sure what generation yeah, they're called. They're, millennials. They're, <laughs> they're, they're, they're a different beast. Because um, when I came in, you know, that conversation with Simon would have been, I can pull your head out of your ass and start playing some good footy or otherwise you're out or yeah. and I'll help you along the way. I'll give you solutions to get better and whereas now you gotta you can't say that. You're like, um, you know, Luke, you know, you, this is what you're not really good at, mate. So we need to work out a way for you to get better and you gotta Does really that frustrate you though. Yeah, you a little bit. A little you know bit. You know how it helped you. At at times it does. Do it. At times it does. Um, but it's just a different world now, mate. It, and you find it with even your kids or whoever it is coming through is a different way. You oh mate, just, just the workplace. Yeah. Just the workplace. Yeah. Now. You can't you say, hey, you are fucking dragging your feet yeah. and I've got to go home because you've, you've, you've upset me. Well, what yeah. about the full knuckle draggers uh, <laughs> losing their mind about Trelaw hugging and shaking hands before the game <laughs> the other night? Like. No, it's just yeah, it's just become yeah a bit a bit absurd that that sense, but it's similar to the players. You got to be really careful with how you nurture them, and and we want to maintain our players and 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 keep the players at the footy club that the club's drafted. So it's really important that we do nurture them and help them out as much as possible. So uh, I I use my experience throughout um, and help them out as much as possible. But they just have to understand that I've been through it too. Yeah, yeah. it's not like you sit there and they think, oh, how would you know how I feel? You're like, oh, did it, mate? Yeah. I came over from Victoria. I was 18. I did it. Yeah. Um, you spoke then of a man, uh, it, it probably is very underrated and unsung um, when it comes to Adelaide Footy Club, and he's moved on now. Heath Uni, um, obviously, with last year, uh, it would have had a heap to do with him. And um, how big a loss do you reckon he's going to be? Uh, yeah, well, Heath, um, 
he's one that you know in your life you you have mentors and um, he doesn't really probably know this, but I've used him as my mentor along along with two other guys that I have outside of footy and um, similar to what Simon was when I was playing. Um, but Heath Heath has taught me a lot of things about coaching and he's a he's a teacher by by trade, so he's got that teaching background. So his whole philosophy was. How do, you, how do you teach these players to be the best they can be? And um, I took a lot out of Heath over my my three years when I was with him, and we still keep in contact today. We speak to each other regularly, and um, I was really wrapped that he got an opportunity to go to go to North and and take over a line. But yeah, he was he was great for some of our players, and they should be very thankful for what he's mm. done. We well, obviously with you, um, him, and that other coaching staff was involved in SNFL the last few years. You've you've Followed a lot of these guys through. Yeah. Um, obviously, he wants to do that in North Melbourne, and he's got a bit of a task there. They're, they're doing a, a big rebuild. Um, that that rebuild word, rebuild word at Adelaide, though, everyone had been saying it, and uh, <laughs> I saw some media today saying the re, the rebuilds come along a lot quicker. Um, do you uh, after one week? <laughs> after yeah. one week, oh, flag, flag favourites. I know it's amazing <laughs> how quickly it all changes, but. Worst team in 31 years with Volcano to now we're going to be six and zip to start the season. I I lost it watching Footy Classified last (laughs) night when they brought that up. Um, But obviously the rebuild has obviously been on at Adelaide. Um, How how quickly do you think a club like Adelaide, who's never really bottomed out until last year, all of a sudden we've had, what, four picks in the top 20, didn't we? Yeah, 20. The the draft was smaller. Yeah, Um, draft smaller. Yeah. But um, yeah, we did. Yeah, but we've targeted what we've actually needed for once. How, how how quickly do you think we can go back to what we were three or four years ago? Uh, I think it's gonna it's still gonna take three or four years to get to where we want to get to. Um, look, we've still got a few people, a few players that sort of those gaps that we need to fill. You know, what happens when Tex goes? What happens when Sloney goes? Um, you know, Leedy's got five years. Smithy will be there for a while, a while yet. But who are these ones coming through now that when they do retire? That they just slip straight in. Um, is Tex is is Tex the biggest one? Like, because last year I was sitting there going, who who replaces Tex? And obviously you've taken Tillthorpe, but um, there hasn't been anyone kicking the door down in, in the sandfield going, hey, I'm the next key forward. Yeah, I think they were looking at Fog to to do that. Um, but, you know, I think Tex and Fog are two different two different players, and um, yeah, we still. I, I actually, I get knocked for it, but I think Fog is a midfielder. Yeah, well, there's a lot of things that we're trying to do as coaching staff to work out where his best yeah. spot is. Um, he's dynamic, and when the ball's in his area, he's going to win it, and he's got great skills, he's got great attributes, but it's him, just him trying to find the footy. That's yeah. what he needs to do. Um, and, and, yet, there's going to be some experiments this year. Like last week in the SNFL, we played him as a midfielder and looked better. Um, but he's just going to have to work out his craft as a forward and mm. he's, he's, he's just going to have to work out what he needs to do to play that role. Um, it's not an easy gig trying no, to figure not. out where you, where no, you fit the not. side, and, is it? And he's working really, really hard at that and uh, Tex is working with him as much as possible. But, yeah, there's still a few gaps that need to be filled for us to um, go to where we want to get to um, and I think it's going to take two, three, maybe four years. The Did take something from all your coaches of your AFL career? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I um, well, Gary Ayres was my first and um, I came in at an inter- interesting time when when Ayersie, when Ayersie was there and um, I think he took the club. 2002 was the prelim. I took him to the prelim. Uh, they lost to Collingwood 
Oh, when Tyson Edwards got Tyson got KO. At his face um, range, yeah. Uh, and and then 2003, I think they made the finals again. Um, got beaten by Brisbane up there in a semi. Um, so I took he was he was more your old school Alan Jeans type, you know, old school coach. He'd he'd have his philosophy, and it's like it's a bible. <laughs> it's that big. So I took little snippets out of that. Um, but Craigie was Craigie was probably the main one that I got the most out of, um, just with his ability to to train uh, and train to be the best you could be. And and test you, like, tested you a lot, as in physically and mentally, um, and getting the best out of yourself. And he was hard, but he was fair. Um, and if you worked hard, he'd appreciate what you've done and, and what you've done and how to how to be the best you can be. So uh, he he took a, I took a lot out of how that what look, look, what that looked like for us as a footy club. And, you know, uh, probably not over like, until the last couple of years that we we were still renowned as a footy club that worked really really hard and got the best out of ourselves physically. Uh, and mentally, so um, yeah, we think that to, for, for Craigie, and I think that's what he did in '97, '98. So that that that, that has continued on, um, and we're trying to get that that back into the footy club to willingness to work hard and 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 run stupid k's and and do some stupid drills and do some stupid things. It's going to run us out of our feet and you did possibly get into in preseason. Oh, didn't you? Yeah. We did. I remember, I remember this one night. day we did a we did a three k three k time trial. We went to, used to train Saturday mornings at uh, Uni Loop. We did a three k time trial, and then we did a thing called a goodie run. And f- yeah, it's a fifteen minute, fifteen seconds up, fifteen seconds across, and that's max effort times two. Ran to Robe Terrace. We did eight Robe Terrace hills in a row, like no break. And then we did a fart leg around North Adelaide and ran back to the Uni Loop. And all up, it was eighteen k's we did. On a Saturday morning, <laughs> yeah, but that stuff, like, you, I, that stuff, like myself and VB, always laugh about what we did. But it taught us how to train, and it taught us what what was required to be the best you can be, and to be the, the best in the competition. And um, you know, you hear those stories. Yeah, it was hard work, but geez, it taught us some lessons about willingness to be the best you can be and that that was something i still take away and we still talk about to today and that's why i know it so real clearly because it was stupid but at the same time we learned a lot of we got a lot out of it did it teach you how far your your body could go yeah Yeah. he he, he pushed us to some silly extremes um yeah we'd we'd train pre-season we'd be out there for four hours just Just, absolutely just training four hours is grinding away and as I said before, these things are the ones that you learn the most out of, and and, and you and you you take away from it, and you cherish it as much as possible because that's what you can do. That's what you can teach these kids coming through. Um, that it takes hard work and, and willingness to to be disciplined and do it do it to a level. With last year, um, I, I still don't think the average punter knows exactly how challenging it was to just run a training session, let alone oh. get them ready to get up and play. Um, but taking it back a bit to when COVID hit. They sh- essentially shut down the AFL. They did shut down the AFL for eleven weeks. Um, at that, what was your feelings at that point? Thinking, all right, my coaching career is done, um, or do I just wait? Or what was what was it like for you? Yeah, well, um, yeah, I, d- I did think I was done. I was making phone calls about what's next and um, working out what what I could do uh, to support my family, uh, and then th- um, remember getting a call from from Nixie and. He'd call us all the time and it wasn't a, a, a call that I wasn't expecting. But yeah, he just said, look, mate, I want you to stay. I want you to take over the, the defenders and help me out for this year. And um, 
yeah, help me out as much as I love what you've been doing. So that was a relief. Um, it was a relief for myself, uh, my wife and, and, and my family and that I could really get on with that now and, and work out what what I needed to get the best out of the our defenders um, in the last part of the year. Well, whatever, what was left, it was 16 or 17 rounds left over. But, um, yeah, I remember going back to training and we had to get COVID tests. We get it two COVID tests a week. Tested more than any hotel tested, security guards at tested, COVID hospitals. Tested <laughs> twice a week. Uh, you had to arrive in uh, no more than groups of eight and we had to come through different doors and we had to get changed in different um, areas of the facility. So you couldn't cross paths with different players. Um, it's extraordinary when you're in a game where you're, you're all in contact. Well, and, and I feel, and this is where we feel for Nixie, or any new coach that was out there, that he's trying to implement a new game style, which is new to the players. It's impossible. It's, it is. It's really, really hard. And, and we found it really hard to coach and educate them as much as possible to, to perform. And, yeah, it was really, I think we had two or three weeks, it might have been three weeks, I think. We had three weeks to train before round two, which was against Port. Um, and unfortunately, the boys didn't really do the work that, they, that was required over the COVID. And so we couldn't really coach them for what we needed to do for game style. We had to sort of run them a bit mm. and they were just running and doing running exercises rather than with just balls getting in their hands, just getting their to, fitness to back up to a level. Yeah. Um, and then, yeah, and then you train. So you train as, you could train as a group, um, with no contact. So you couldn't tackle, you couldn't touch them. <sighs> yeah. You can imagine what it was like. And then you could do a group contact session in groups of nine, but you couldn't socialise with the other group for the rest of the day. And, and then you go out in different times. But Wh- whoever but came up with these rules... Clearly had never been involved with football. But at the same time, you could go out there and you'd be, you can go to a restaurant yeah. or a cafe and get... You, we, we, we could only get takeaway coffee or takeaway meals. So you had you could go to the, you know, get a meal, say get a meal from here and then you go down to the park and you could eat it there. You couldn't sit here and have a meal in a pub or in a cafe or where it was. Um, so we're under these rules and we're under that rule for the whole year. Even and and this, wasn't, this wasn't just players. This was you coaches yep, as well. Everyone, right? all staff, staff. All, all, footy, all footy department staff. Um, so we had to do this until until they allow, allowed us to do contact sessions. Um, oh, Nixie always laughs. laughs we, we were yeah we made we wooden spooners, but we were number one for COVID. We won the COVID <laughs> premiership only because of the Brossa <laughs> Brossa fiasco. Because unfortunately, the boy, some dickhead <laughs> up there and a greenskeeper took a photo or wanted to get some sort of money or something. It's always out of it. someone looking for a bit and of he life. just saw us. Mingling with the boys, or the, gr- the more than eight in one group, so it was like sixteen, I guess, and they were having to kick with each other, and yeah, dobbed us in. So we we're, were under the microscope from day one, or before day one. Uh, so the club had to just look after itself and, and do as much as they can to abide by the COVID protocols. At that point, were you like, "This is going to be just"? Oh, the, I remember that first hell. game was against Port, and they were flying. Mm. Well, they came out and just absolutely blitzed us, and we were like, "When we." I felt so sorry for Nixie because his style just wasn't there at that, at that time and he couldn't believe what he was seeing and um, it was really hard for him to coach it. Um, and over time we just had to work out and then work out a method of, of a way that we can teach and coach these boys to, to understand the game style. They can come out and play the way they did. And it probably wasn't until that... We had periods where we'd have like five-minute blocks or ten-minute blocks of, oh, there it is, and then we'll just fall away again because it wasn't ingrained. 
And the other thing was the Geelong game last year we played out here uh, at Adelaide Oval and we played unbelievable that day. Yeah. Like we, Do you know how much money I was going to win on that Because <laughs> they were 11 we to blo- 1. Yeah. I said, we loaded up. I said 11 to 1. I said they're never going to be 11 to 1 ever, yeah. ever again. Yeah. And for a while there, it was... Oh, that, we the had the first them on three quarters, we were on... Well, we thought oh. we were a chance here. We were about the top team. Uh, and then Duncan and Danger just came out the last quarter and just went whack, whack. I didn't even remember this week that that was against Geelong last year. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it, and... Like you said, there was glimpses of that game where because we were at the game and it was yeah. um, the way they were moving the footy, yeah. just the attack on Geelong. Like where's this been all year? But yeah. y- you forget, like you said, you've got a new coach coming in with a new game plan, yeah. and you can't train that game plan. You can't touch each other. No. It's no, that's the hardest part. And, and is that something that this week, particularly after having a win and looking real good? Yeah. Got to get a smile on the face going... Oh, the beliefs there. They're, they're, yeah. they're in. Like yeah, the yeah. Like, we've had... And it's amazing uh, what happens when you can train a game plan for a whole preseason. Oh, it's amazing, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, like, they, they did. we did last year, and then we played Sydney, and that, they, they rolled us. It wasn't by much. I think only three or two, four points. Two points, points yeah. Something like that. Should have won that one. Um, yeah, yeah, we should have won that one. But that was... that was You could see the game plan sort of un, unfurling there, and then, bang, you got... I don't know how long it was in the Shut end. Shut up, shot. Ten weeks, and then you know, the boys went, went home, and... Sat in their rooms and probably did nothing really. All your um, hard work you put in, yeah, just, just got went to a, waste. just went to waste. And then, uh, yeah, and then it was the Geelong game, and then we won three in a row. And then we were pretty competitive against Richmond, but they were just they, they were just too good in the last round. So, I think we're the most we're the form team in the competition. I think. Well, there's no one else on well, the. Is it five? Was it what <laughs> five four in the last five? <laughs> That's pretty good. The um, when you guys went up to the hub, um, we touched on it before the show. We were saying how there were so many. Experts and supporters saying, "Oh, they're getting paid all this money," which they weren't because they all got clipped a fair bit. But um, you, other staff, everyone went up there in the hub, and I remember it was your your, your lad's birthday and um, little things like that that people don't actually think about. You can't go see your son on his birthday. You can't you're not you're not home for your kid's birthday. Um, and there was you wouldn't have been the only one in that boat. There would have been a lot of Victorian players who who missed a lot of uh, big moments and probably don't get the credit they deserve for what they did. Yeah, especially the Victorian teams. Um, we, we, us, Port, West Coast and Freo were the first teams to go up to the Gold Coast and go into a hub. Um, and we got told that we don't know when, how long this is going to be, um, uh, how long it's going to be for, um, can, you pick, can your kids and can your partners come up. At that time, it was only the players, partners and their kids coming up. So us coaches and other staff were sort of like, OK, what's this going to look like for us? And um, the club are really good in, in offering that to us. Um, we're, I think we're in our second week up there. And um, uh, the club said, do, do you want to get your, your kids in, and your wife up here or, or partner, whatever it was, um, for that third week? Because I was thinking it could be three or four weeks that we're going to be up there and... Everyone said, oh, yeah, look, yeah, they'd be good to get the kids up there and they can mingle and play with each other and muck around because it would be good for the kids and good for us to... Because you go out there, you're in a hub and it's just footy, footy. Like, yeah. yeah, we had a golf course there and we could go to the broad beach and all those sort of things. And But you're working 24-7 yeah, up there, aren't you? Yeah, especially when you're a coach because you're always there, you're always talking about it and you just don't have that time to switch off. Even when we tried to... But you'd always come back together and go, oh, maybe we do this. And you start talking about things. Oh, come, let's come together. We can have a meeting about it all. You don't sort of get away. You don't have your outlet. Um, and then the, on that, that second week, uh, that was when Melbourne went, they went pear-shaped with the coronavirus. They got that many 
positive cases just and yeah. they just exploded there and, and they virtually said, you guys need to get out because we need the Victorian teams the, to come the, up the here so we can complete, complete the season. So we are pretty lucky. So us and Port were pretty lucky with South Australia how good they did it and how fantastic they're still doing it that we were able to come home uh, and be with their families and, 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 and friends and well, not so much friends because we weren't still we still had to obey by the AFL protocols. Um, but you still see see your family and um, we're, we're pretty lucky with that. Like I remember, I was talking to VB and I think he was up in Gold Coast for eight or something weeks, um, and he didn't see his wife and kids uh, over that whole time yeah. as West Coast coach. So, and like you said, the co- coaches weren't afforded the yeah. the old bring your whole family up. Um, and they're probably the unsung heroes, your coaches, your support staff. Support staff especially. Everyone yeah. that go up there that aren't, aren't getting paid 700 grand a year. They're, no. <laughs> they're going up to just essentially yeah. keep their job. Yep. Um, so the with the Victorian guys, like you said, they I know I think there was clubs told on the way to games, um, like pack pack your suitcase, bring a suitcase to the game because you're, you're getting flown out of here after you play. Probably. Like that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's insanity. Yeah. But... Yeah. That's the world we're in. Yeah. Um, going back to, to your playing, um, you obviously were playing some uh, some really good footy um, towards the end of... Well, it wasn't really towards the end of your career. You were still in your prime. Um, the, uh, you spoke about it earlier, how you had to retire. Obviously, there's still, for me and for a lot of people, obviously I know a, lo- a little bit more, but a lot of people still probably don't understand what really happened. Um with your injury that, that, that cost you your career yep. um, and how actually it became less about football and more about your life yep. um, and how close you came to, to losing it. Yeah, it was um, it was a weird time. Like 2012 was probably my best year. Um, uh, I was playing a half-back and was playing some outstanding footy. And um, 2013, I got a little bit comfortable and thinking, oh, God, I need a bit of time off getting old. You know, you fall into that trap of not doing the work and 2013 was one of those years I just couldn't get going for myself and then I did my shoulder and then a reconstruction and fought back in 2014 and um, he obviously we had some issues with Sando and what he was doing um, with the club and uh, and then Walsh came um, and I was thinking oh, this is going to be it for me I'm I've almost had enough and I sat down with Walshy and he and he said, no, I need you, I want you to play and you know, I can't guarantee anything but um, he instilled that in confidence in myself and I hadn't, while she was up there with the Craigie pre-seasons, I, you know, old school uh, strength conditioning coach and we we trained pretty hard that, like, some, worked, some yeah. of the boys that haven't done a pre-season on the Craigie came in and like, and we said, ah, boys, this is normal for us and we understand what, what we need to do and um, we had an outstanding pre-season that 2015 under Walsh and uh, he, he was he was the best tactical coach I've ever ever seen Walshie yep mm. yep like some of his things that he had because like, I, I, I going back on that so Walshie would he'd catch up with every player he'd have a he'd sit there he'd have a coffee he'd have a green tea or a peppermint tea um, <laughs> it was always drink. different yeah, yeah 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 um, and he'd always engage with us players and re, re, with what, what, what was required from us as players and his philosophies and he ingrained in, he ingrained in that that philosophy and his beliefs of football really quick in us and we believed in it really quick um, as, as a playing group and he was like a father figure for some of us boys um, from when he came in uh, and then 
Yeah, it was a end of the end of preseason. It was a we were almost coming into the, you know the what I don't know what it's called. There's those Wizard Cup or NAB Cup yeah. or whatever it is these days. I don't know what it's called anymore. And NAB Community Series, <laughs> JLT yeah. or something. Like that. Just make <laughs> it up. Whoever pays the most money and <laughs> who wants to do it. Um, we we're leading into that and um, just going to training. I remember waking up and I was like, oh, I'm a bit tired here, <laughs> a bit pooped. Uh, it was going to be a big session and we're training at Theverton because. Um, One Direction were training at Amy Stadium So we couldn't get on there And I was like, bloody Thebiton What did you train oh, there for? Right, yeah. And Anyway, we trained there And then, um, I remember in the warm-up The vivid memory of the day Which I don't remember at all uh, I remember get, getting to the ground And I remember in the warm-up Got a corky off Sloaney And I was like, fucking hell, I don't want a corky It's not the time to get a corky And <laughs> trying to prove myself And I was fit, I was flying I was, I was feeling really good about myself About my footy And um, we then were just doing a normal match sim drill and the ball went over my head. And because I, I was really in, intense and, and wanted to perform and, and play well so I can play, play in the AFL side so for that year, um, just running back and I was probably going a little bit too fast for my own good and just sort of got the ground ball and just tripped over and just teammate had his two feet planted and just smashed into his knee. Um, uh, I've only watched the vision once. Um, because oh, I, vision of it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I can't shit. watch it anymore. Um, I, I'm glad it wasn't a AFL game or yeah. what it was. And oh, it would be played over and over. Yeah, and over yeah, yeah, yeah. So I was pretty lucky in that sense that I, I could only watch it once, and I don't want Jeremy to watch it or anyone else to watch it really. And uh, I was out cold. I had blood coming out of my ear, um, which in the end was I was pretty lucky. Uh, this is following the Phil Wal- um, Phil Hughes. Incident when he got yeah. hit, it was very very close, very similar spot where I got hit. wasn't too far away, um, and there was there was sort of worry about. I was happy that the blood was coming in my ear, and um, but I was super aggressive. I was like, <coughs> I was like a, um, was like a psycho- psychotic person. I was um, like really aggressive. I was. Um, I remember. I don't remember when I got told that. One of the trainers tried to take my mouth guard out, and I bit down on his finger, and I wasn't myself. Yeah. So the doc's like, "Okay, well, this is a little bit. Yeah, he's not sure." Um, so anyway, they rang Jamie up and said, "Oh, he's suffered a concussion. You might have to come pick him up from the club a little bit later. We'll get his car to the club and so forth and everything." And then I was sitting in there, and I just the doc goes, "No, you're going to hospital, mate." I, 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 this is what people have told me. I don't remember any of, any of this. But you got up and walked off the ground. I walked off the, remarkably walked off the ground. So and I, I had no I idea. Didn't know, what I didn't was know going that. On. I, I didn't know that until today. Yeah, yeah. I agree. walked off yeah. the ground. Had blood coming my ear, and the docs all looking after me and uh, walking me off the ground. And then all of a sudden, um, yeah, called the ambulance. And Emma Barr, who's our player development manager at the time, uh, she was in the am- uh, she was in the car following the ambulance. And then the ambulance just took straight off. Just gone, so I wasn't in a good. It wasn't in a good way. So something happened in the something ambulance. Something happened in the ambulance yeah. that they said they need to get. They need to get to, to the RAH and possible surgery and just to see what's going on, so we can possibly save my life. Um, I mean, getting it. The Jamie was saying I got into the hospital and she got in there. She was obviously, you know, being being your wife, she wasn't really sure of what was going on, and uh, she was in there at the time with Tomo. Tomo came. She he came straight from training also because. Someone told him that I wasn't good and he came and he was sitting there with Jamie and then uh, had a horrific seizure. So Jamie and Tomo saw myself have a horrific seizure and immediately rushed into surgery. I uh, was in surgery for two hours. Um, so you can imagine that time. Jamie, 
mum and dad were on a flight from Melbourne to to Adelaide to come mm. over and you know, just to make sure that you know you can imagine that flight wouldn't be the wouldn't be the oh. most pleasant pleasant flight. Lucky it's only a short one. Um, and uh, yeah, uh, depressed fracture in my skull, um, uh, broken jaw, like just a like hairline fracture, broken jaw. Um, I was like millimeters off the temple. I was yeah. I was <laughs> in the end. I'm very lucky to be here right yeah. now. Uh, and uh, that was so. I think I remember training at about nine o'clock, and then I don't remember that night. I don't remember till nine thirty that night. Waking up in ICU and had seventy staples in my head. Had a um, yeah, I did, had no idea where yeah. I was and what was going on. And uh, it came to reasonably quick. You know, you're heavy sedated, um, so you're not really sure what's going on. And um, I remember vividly this just. You know, some because ICU it's twenty four hour care and people can come in and out but only two people at a time. Yeah. So Jamie would sort of bring someone in and then um, vividly see people coming in and who were they, who they were, and you sort of remember them. And then uh, I was in ICU for three days, um, and I remember going to the tort on the Wednesday. So this is training on the Monday. I remember going to the tort on the Wednesday. Um, this is the first time I got out of bed. On the so Monday, so, so Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, was yeah, 72 yeah. hours. First time I got out of bed just to see if I could walk and do normal things, and got it was it was pretty pretty surreal experience. Like getting out of bed and walking just to go to the toilet because um, I thought, shit, I'm not not going well here. And uh, do they do they from, get you into that quickly because they want to know what you can and can't do? Or uh, well, they're always they're there. I remember being in the ICU and. Um, I'm repeatedly getting questions, and I still have my sense of I've got a good sense of humour, Luke. And, and, and <laughs> I remember they said that uh, who's the Prime Minister of Australia, and I was like, we've had about ten, haven't we, in the last five years? So I couldn't even tell you what it is now. Um, just just simple questions like that. Yeah. Um, you know, I remember I remember when I went back to like the normal ward. Um, it's either on the Wednesday or the Thursday, and. Uh, occupational therapist would come in and ask you questions and I remember she asked me um, name 10 farm, farm animals I could only name three <laughs> really? yeah I'm, uh, look, uh, and I couldn't not read I couldn't compute but, at but the was time. that because you were having issues or yeah it's or just my head yeah, it's right. just the just concussion and not computing not computing and uh, so ah. where I got hit um, it's the communication speaking and um, verbal yep. side of the brain um, and ah. It took a while for me to compute, to talk properly. Like I remember, the, at the time it was the Cricket World Cup, mm. so I was I was pretty lucky in that sense that I could actually have something to watch uh, <laughs> on daytime telly. And uh, you, know, you know, they had to get the subtitles come down the bottom or the, the what's happened in the world or news titles and those sort of things coming uh, yeah. the bottom. Yep. that was just all blurry, all blurry. Wow. And I was thinking. So I had oh, emotions. And, and was your face still fucked up at this stage? Like yeah, yeah. So had, Bell's so palsy yeah, for so a while? So well, that didn't happen until oh, maybe two weeks after. Yeah. Because um, at the time it was so swollen yeah. that they didn't really know what was going to happen, how it was going to heal. And there was this uncertain time, so I, they didn't really know. Um, am I going to be able to talk properly? Um, can I remember things? Um, a lot of different things that just wasn't... Um, normal um and then you know just simple things the farm animals um counting to 10 knowing the alphabet just simple children stuff that you teach your yeah. kids 
Um, Stuff that you I just found take it really, for granted. Yeah, I found yeah. it really hard to do. Um, and then, but each day I gradually got better quick. Um, oh, yep. They so I was pretty lucky, and I could see the that sort of that sort of what kept me up a little bit. Um, that I knew I was getting better. Like I reckon, if you're not getting better, that's when you start having some really bad thoughts. Um, so over that time, and the support I had with, from people was was outstanding. You know, while she would come every day, he'd be sitting there every day with me. I'd have I had mates flying from Melbourne over to see me, uh, mates from Sydney flying over to see me. You get your mates to come in all the time, and you know, just to sort of relieve Jamie a little bit because she was there all the time. And uh, mum and dad were obviously over for the for that period of time uh, to to help me out. And um, those sort of people, you, you look back on those sort of people, and you think. Thank you. Like, mm. even though I wasn't with it at the time, or can't really thank him at the time, but those are the ones that got me through to to where I'm to today, and I yep. still rely on those people today. Um, and I'll, I'll never, they're always been in my life forever. Yep. Those sort of people, but those are the ones that got me through that period of time. Even though I was having ups and downs, or deep down, I knew footy was over. Mm. Um, but it was pretty tough to accept, and uh, that that took a while. That one, um, you'd, you'd know it deep down, but. He was. Oh, do you reckon I could do something? Or, uh, but yeah, no contact sport, nothing forever again. Um, footy, even um, you know, even when I'm playing golf now, I get worried about a ball coming to hit me. Or at training, I just jumped on to jump into training, and always a, Heath was probably the one. Get off the track, right? I thought, get off, and, you know, because I'm because you. Yeah, I was still just still want to play. I still want to play. So <laughs> I've still got that competitive juice in yeah. me, Danny. It's really it's something that's never gone away from me, and. Um, just over that time, you know, the support I had, the positivity that I had from people, um, really got me through that time because I wasn't, I wasn't flushed there for a while. And um, your everyday health now, like your brain health now? Yeah, pretty good. Yep. Yeah, it probably, it probably took me about. I reckon it wasn't until two thousand and two thousand and eighteen, two thousand nineteen. It's when I started to feel like I could get through a day and not mm. have to worry about being tired or or having a sleep. Um, because I, I remember I was like a baby. I was sleeping 16 hours a day early on, just trying to recover and not, not do too much. And I was so sore. So, so, I couldn't, I couldn't, the soreness that I had was ridiculous. Like Your whole body? Just your like head. Your head, yeah. My head, my neck. And um, so I was on some, yeah, some serious, Endan was my good friend there for a while. and uh, But I just didn't want to get too hooked on it too much. Uh, otherwise yeah. <laughs> you can go down a bad pathway with that. Um, become dependent on it. Yeah, mm. so I, I um, the support, but also the the quickness, and they reckon the docs reckon because I was so fit at that time that that what helped. That's what helped me recover quicker. Um, like as in your as whole in body, physically or, fit. Yeah, your, your muscles were muscles already were in a good state. Yeah, they're in so. a good state, and they did say that you recovered quicker than any any other. No, no yeah. Yeah. So me, me and Danny are fucked if we got that injury. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> We're never recovering. Um, so and then just over that time, the process was was really clear with me and what I had to do, and um, I I accepted it. Um, even though it was tough to to get told mm. by a lot of people that you're never going to play footy or even any contact sport ever again, um, because I grew up as a two year old and I had a footy or a cricket bat or. Any contact sport that I was playing, I was, that was what I wanted to do, and um, it was really tough to click of the fingers. It was all done, uh, all over. So that was that was a challenging, challenging time for myself just to accept that. But um, the rea- the reality was that, that that's what it is, and mm. I have to get on with it now. And you you spoke of your support network, but um, 
three people obviously come or four people come to mind. Firstly, your parents. Um, as we are parents now, happening to your child would be you can't imagine it. Um, but then also, and your sister. Um, but then uh, Jamie, your, your, your partner, she is obviously the one that probably wore the brunt of any of your frustration, your rehab, all that stuff, because she's with you 24-7. Um, how does someone like Jamie just all of a sudden become 24-7 carer for probably a fair bit of a while after? Yeah, um, she was remar- remarkable. Um, we got married in 2013 and um, loving, caring person. I remember her looking after her nan when, when her nan was passing and getting on and um, I knew it was there for her, she could do it. Um, but her support and her guidance over that time because it, there was a lot of rough moments over that time and accepting oh it. Yeah. And, um, I'm going to live a normal life. And then you say about the bell palsy, I got, when I was smiling, I could only smile with my right side. Um, so my whole left side just wasn't working and I'm going to look like this forever. Or, you know, um, what am I going to do if I do look like this? What does my work look like? Um, what do I do for a job? And... All these different avenues, all these different thoughts in your head and um, you're thinking, you know, what is it like for me? Mm. Um, am I stuffed here? Or, um, so all, all those things did pass your mind and, um, but her support and her ongoing support um, has, very, has been outstanding. And uh, coupled with that, um, you had obviously, while she passed, um, was it during your recovery or yep. very soon into it? Yeah, so... Yeah. Um, so a guy that was that was July. I know the day it was shocking. I thought my day was bad, but that was the worst day I've ever had to deal with. And I'm sure you talked to any other players that were there at that time. It was exactly the same. Um, it was the third of July. I remember waking up. I had all these missed calls on my phone. I was like, "Geez, what? Have, you know, when you get a missed call, sometimes when you work, or oh, shit, what have I missed? What's what's happened?" Or immediately you think, "Shit, what? Something's really bad's happened." Um, and I remember Darren Milburn, Dasha on the phone, he said, Radar, um, uh, while she's been mur- murdered. And like, I was like, I said to Jamie, so I, was, I immediately started crying. Um, Man, I, I did, and I was a freaking supporter. Yeah. Like, I can't like, imagine how you guys were. That was, um, yeah. Like to, and at the time, I couldn't drive, um, so because I had a seizure, I couldn't drive for nine months. So um, I remember Podsy, James Podsy, they came and picked me up and, that was the silent, most silent uh, road trip I've had down Port Road in my whole life. Um, we didn't even talk. Um, he gets to the club and no one was just, everyone was just crying. And at, the, at this point, did you know it was no. his son? No. You hadn't known that no. yet? No, I don't, I don't think so. I don't really recall. I just, we just, I just heard he got, he got murdered. Um, and then I immediately just broke down crying and um, Jamie was the same. She was crying because Phil, throughout my whole recovery and even you know, before my recovery, Phil was, Phil was awesome to me. Um, always there at the always hospital. Always there, always there at the hospital. He'd be there every day. Um, uh, he came round to my house every day and that's he, the bloody prick. He got me addicted to connoisseur ice cream and <laughs> I can't say no to connoisseur ice cream now because I just love it. <laughs> Just yeah, those sort of things you 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 cherish and um, yeah, it was just a really uh, I can't describe how I felt. It was um, I still haven't like uh, you know when you have something bad. Like, you talk about my injury and yeah, I'm lucky to be alive, but I accepted where I was and what I could do. I, I can't I couldn't accept that. I don't know. I just couldn't. It was one of those grieving things. I just could not get over. 
Is uh, that I and I didn't know when I could. No, nah, no, nah, you don't know like why, like what, what is, what did he do? And you know, you obviously hear the stories that come out after, but still, though, you don't, you don't murder anyone. Um, it's 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 the highest crime you can do, and um, you just you just can't compute it. And I still to this day, like we just can't compute it as, as players, past players, coaches, um, staff. Where he, he's he's wedded to us for the rest of our life, even though he's only there for. What, three or four months? Um, not not taking anything away from Pikey, but a lot of people involved still think that that 97... Uh, sorry, that uh, 2017 grand final, uh, Pikey, obviously, and the players, they, they got there, but a lot of stuff was set in motion um, when uh, when he was in charge. Yeah, well, it was uh, along with what Craigie left too. Um, yeah, Sando was a bit the same. He, he incorporated a really strong group that... In, 2011 year we didn't make the finals but 2012 we finished second you know that that group was always there and we always as you say we've never bottomed out we've never had a rebuild never. Um, so we've always been there and abouts to yeah we might miss the finals but the year after we expected to make the finals again or finish top four what it was um, so yeah he did he, yeah, Pikey did incorporate what that was but I, I still believe that was when Craigie was there and who he brought in like VB and Tex and Sloney and those sort of guys that were pivotal part of that 2017 team, um, they were there at that time. It's um, just going back on what you're saying, when you can't really compute and you can never really accept it. If someone dies in a car accident, you go, yeah, well, that happens a lot. Or or if someone uh, and shit have, yeah, like has a heart attack or um, like Dean Bailey, he got he got, uh, yeah. he got sick yeah. and died, but, but to, be, to be murdered and then it to be by his son... Um, yeah, that's that's something that I don't think anyone uh, no. will ever really understand and and understand how that went there. And you got an entire club, and um, after that, the the outpouring from fans, um, I to to see it going on and on uh, as long as it did, I was uh, blown away by it. So I can't imagine how you guys probably thought we got an entire a country grieving with you. Yeah, I remember the the. Um I think we didn't. I think it was Geelong again. Yeah. Geelong kept coming up, but uh, it was the Geelong game, and it just got cancelled. Um, we went with it. Uh, well the players went with it, um, and then we went to the West Coast. And I, 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 actually, I actually can't believe you played uh, the week after. Yeah, the Saturday um, night after. It was the week after, yeah, yeah in, yeah. in Perth, and um, uh, I think I think we just wanted to get on with it, and that's what Walsh would wanted. He wanted us to get on with it and play footy and 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 li- li- live through his legacy of, of what he's created so far at the club. And and Campo took us under his uh, under the boys under their wing, and um, he didn't change anything. Just kept the same philosophy that what Phil had. Um, and that, I remember that game. I remember sitting on the couch, and um, yeah, I I was. Probably like all you, I was crying on the couch and I couldn't keep it kept straight and um, and even up to this day I still get emotional about talking about Phil and and what he's done not only for me but also the footy club and some of the players that he, that uh, were under his under his wing. So um, yeah, it was it was a really sad time. It was a really sad year and and we did really well. I think we lost the semi final. I think it was mm. um, that year. So the boys did a fantastic job to. To come out and play the way they did and, and continue his legacy with Sam. Well, I can fantastic. only imagine how you were on your couch because I was a blubbering mess. And I saw an ad on telly the other day, Talia and Danger walking off arm in arm. They're blubbering and 
every time I see that, I fucking lose my shit. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It never changes. Um, and uh, going on from from that, obviously, you had to come, like you said, to the realization you're not going to play footy again. And and a lot of fans, media, people didn't realize it wasn't. A, it wasn't really about whether you were going to play footy again. You you had a a, a big uphill battle to 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 get back to normal. Um, at what point did you sit there and go, I feel me again? Um, I think I touched, I touched on it I mean, before. I think I'd say about three or four years after I did, because um, when you when you retire from AFL footy, um, everyone says, "Oh, you know, you're a veteran, you're retired," and you almost start to believe it that you, oh, I'm retired now, but you're not retired at all. Mm. You <laughs> you still got forty years left of your life yeah, to live. You're always in there. Um, so that that. That aspect and what I was what I was doing um, outside of footy was going to help me propel my career after footy, but I couldn't do it because I couldn't get through a day. Um, I, I'm, I, my mentor Raymond Spencer, who um, is an entrepreneur, he's a, he's a, um, the chairman at the Samri, which is the South Australian Health and Medical Research Institute on North Terrace. The one that looks like a, a cheese grater. Um, <laughs> he 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 got me in there and. Um, they were fantastic for me because I, I didn't because I'm not I'm a busy person. I have to be doing stuff and yeah, I like to. I need. I know when my time is to chill and relax and that was what it did for. Felt like I did it for bloody two years. years. Um, I had to work out what was next for me. Um, so th- they were fantastic for me. They knew they knew my scenario. They knew my situation. Uh, I'd sort of I'd work in the morning and then I'd go down and have a bit of a break and relax and chill and. Um, and as as the weeks and, and months went on, I gradually just got better and, you know, I still wasn't feeling 100% myself. Um, so I had to really be careful what I did, how much I did. Um, and then 2016, um, little Jaxie came. Um, and that was that was another challenge too because I was still trying to recover from sleeping and um, he was a great child. He slept really well, which is nice. Um, See, some parents have the challenge different of, of losing sleep and when they're newborn, but... Yeah. You had to face that challenge while recovering from a, a brain injury. Yeah, yeah. So that was a that was um, a year and a bit after. Um, I was still like I could still function, and I was I, I still like I feel like I was doing normal things in life, but I just couldn't get through the day as much as what I could, and uh, wasn't exercising as much. So um, you know, to this day, Dogger still reminds me, and I still remind Dogger what he looks like now about putting weight on. So. Uh, as, as, you, as you do at a footy club, mate, you always belittle people and bring people down. The, the they just get into it. Down the high horse. Yeah, Max is in his family photo the <laughs> yeah, other week. Yeah. Um, but, you know, that, those those little things that I couldn't do and I, I need to get back into a routine of of doing it. And um, Where I was working, I really I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't really what I wanted to do um, uh, outside of footy. Um, so it took me really a while, and it took me a while. But and then I and then I went to another department. I was sort of in that department, but I wasn't really. And then I went fully into the department of wellbeing and resilience at the at the Samory, and uh, that was when I really learned a lot about resilience and wellbeing. Well, their, their program at the time was based from the military, what they did pre and post deployment, because um, they had a lot of um, uh, alcohol, substance abuse, um, uh, domestic violence, um, suicide. A lot of things, and they had to create a program for those soldiers to be able to come back and 
get back into society. Yeah, back into society and live a normal and live that life mm. that, that they should. Um, so they they developed a program and they brought it over here to to Australia, and, and we we're taking it through to where we did we got a contract through corrections, um, through the jails, through um, all different avenues of, of um, the corporate, public and private sectors around around Adelaide. And I was out there just learning how to be a facilitator and and. It was one. It was one guy that came out from America. It was Victor Strecker, um, and he was all about live life with purpose. Um, and then from that, from his book, and what I learned from him was, you need to live a life with purpose. Um, so from that, from my story, from my footy career, through through my story, what I learned about resilience and being able to bounce back from adversity, yeah, I had a pretty good story that I could use to to help others. Um, so. So the the purpose I come up was to be you, um, um, to be the best you can be, but also help others be the best they can be, um, and then support from my family and friends. And I got the date when I hurt myself, and then have an impact. Yeah. So, like that day, that 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 sort of pro- that process of what I created was developing my purpose in life. Um, has really helped me pursue what I want to pursue, uh, and the hence that's why I'm in the coaching caper and. Yeah, coaching bloody frustrating at times, but at the same time, being a development coach has really helped me. And as you touched on before, Luke, was um, using using my knowledge that I've learnt during my playing career, but what I've learnt with the research and evidence behind being resilient and understanding your well-being, um, that I can pass it on to these young kids coming through. Um, but these kids have just got to understand that I've been through it. That's probably the hardest bit. And like you said, you're, you're talking about resilience. Um, the there's certain levels of resilience you go through life if it's work, footy or that, but the resilience that you've gone through, uh, um, how you've built that up um, in a coaching caper um, is invaluable because there's not many coaches out there that have been close to what you've gone through that can pass that on. And if if you didn't have this accident had to retire early and, and, and all that type of stuff, do you think you'd be in the coaching game? Um, maybe. Um what got me back into footy is um, good mate of mine, Jared Wright, who um, is coaching South at the moment. Um, Took Henley to their. Uh, well, that's what got the, me in it. Yeah. So I was at Henley, and I help. I was helping him out. He goes, "Come down and help me out," and I was like, oh, "All right, come down." And that's that got you, me you back. Pa- you pants us out at Henley when yeah. Scotch went out there. Yeah. Fans that day, yeah. it was about <laughs> 140 points. I thought it's going to be a long fucking year. <laughs> so we, um, so he took me under. He, he helped me get back into the footy caper and. Yeah, you know, just going back to community footy, which you grow up with. Um, yeah, you train Tuesday, Thursday nights. Every Thursday night at Henley, you'd, you'd go in there for a beer and have a schnitzel and um, go there after a game, and it's the bloody place is pumping because we're we're pretty good that year, and we always we, we won a lot of games. I, I, think I, don't, I don't think you lost. I uh, lost two. two. I think we lost lost both Asselton. We lost, but we beat him in the granny. So, um, <laughs> uh, which is which is probably the most important game. Um, but yeah, in the end, mate, it was um, uh, that was the reason why. You just took my wine there, didn't you? <laughs> sorry, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to get this wine out to give him some different <laughs> wine. So continue, guys. <laughs> um, but that, but just going back to that, just going back to the just local community footy was um, something that got me back into footy. Following my injury, following Walsh's death, um, I. I didn't want to. I didn't want to be associated with it for a while, and I just wanted to not not be a part of it. And sometimes you just got to go back to your, to your roots and understand um, 
what's required and going back there and um, just seeing the, the, the lads working nine to five, some most of them are tradies and coming to training and you're trying to help them as much as possible and trying to implement some professional st- standards a little yeah. bit. Um, yeah, I, I, I got into that again, uh, into the footy world and then and then Buffett got the job at South and then I took over the job at Henley um, and I was really looking forward to it. I was really looking forward to taking over. For five minutes. For <laughs> five. Oh, Three and a half. It was. It was a week, <laughs> really. Uh, planning everything out, getting all sorted, and then... Um, so what happened there? They, they someone from the footy club. Yeah, someone from the footy club rang me up and said, oh, be good for you. I want you to go through the whole process and interview and everything. Because um, we feel you'd be an important part for the club to um, come in and coach but also no no you know about footy but also what you've learned with resilience and which is exactly what I wanted yeah. to do really. Um this is at Adelaide you mean? Yeah the yeah. pros yeah yeah so uh yeah poor poor Henley and Rod Hill and um uh, George down there they were fantastic. Well they were, look they that they they were outstanding. Like they could have easily cracked the shits and said you're an asshole and fuck you and everything but they, they were they were great for me. Uh, they sat there and I said, well, mate, that's what you want to do. It's what you want to do. It's a full-time job. I can't, we can't offer you the money that they're going to oh, offer It's you. like when um, the NFL get coaches get yeah. um, taken to AFL. Yeah. Coaches. It's just that's yeah. the game. It's part of the process and and, and they're outstanding with that. And, um, yeah, so I reckon I was there about two weeks, Danny, in the end. I did four sessions. and <laughs> um, Four good sessions. The boys so. are fit. <laughs> <laughs> I think they won the flag that year too. Nah. Um, no, they went to Div 1. That's, went to Div 1. Yeah. yeah. Going back to, to, to the grassroots, like you said, um, obviously after your injury, recovery, um, is it is it almost like a mindset you thought, well not a mindset, but um, it's almost the standard that you, you got robbed of footy so you don't want to be near it and then you thought, and then you got back to footy and realised that that was almost the medicine for your, for your ailment. Yeah, a little bit. Um, yeah, footy... 14 years, and you talk to Simon or anyone who's been in there for a long period of time, um, but grinds away, grinds away at you. Like it, it it's not it's an a, easy gig. Nah, it's Everyone not thinks it's glamorous, no, but it's, it, it, it's a hard job. And in the end, you know, you got to get yourself up for, for a game every week, especially when you get a little bit older and you got to still got to train hard, you got to train smarter, if that makes sense. Um, you got to lose weight because you can't be too heavy and because the game's getting faster and all these different things in your head that you have to do. Um, in the end, it was like, okay, well, and then the injury happened, and then it just sort of curtailed, and then while she passed, I was like, ah, oh, get me away. I need yeah. to get away and just Done. do something different, yeah. and, um, which is sort of where I was heading anyway if I didn't get hurt. Um, um, so I, I, it was one of those things that just, I'm, I'm a big believer things happen for a reason, and um, I, I'm here today to, to tell my story, but also help others be the best they could be. It's, um, it's a great story, mate, and... Um, on a personal level, when when you see well, when you see uh, footy players get injured or go through what you go through, it it's shocking. But to to know you on a personal level and see it, it um it it hits home a lot. And uh, seeing you recover, and I remember I saw you at Mitchum Shopping Centre one one year, and I think you had the 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 bells pausing. And then I reckon I saw you about eight months later, and I went home and said to Mum, "So I saw Radar at, at uh, what's the fruit and veg shop there." Um, Banana boys. Banana, Banana boys. boys. Good. Banana boys. Their good, salad yeah. bar is fucking phenomenal, <laughs> by good. the way. <laughs> but um, I said to him, I saw Radar. And I said, he, looked, he looked amazing. Like he'd, he'd come a long way. And that's probably that period when you said you, you started coming good. And it's, um, it's so good to see 
you're back where you where you were post and um, back in coaching now. Obviously, seen you a few times when you've been doing that, and um, to see you back doing it, it's 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 very heartwarming on a personal level. But I'm sure a lot of Adelaide fans look at it and, and seeing you back in there, it's good seeing on that Amazon thing. You're in the box with oh, Nixie, too much. Radar, what should we do here? <laughs> um, yeah, it, it's good seeing you back. Yeah, I, and I I really enjoy. Uh, I love what I do. Um, there's no, there's no comments about that, but you always got to be prepared in this AFL industry to for what's next because um, it can spit you out pretty quick. Um, what, what was more daunting, um, coming to Adelaide and realizing <laughs> I'm here on my own, I got to get going, or coming to dinner at Mum's with Jacob Shoeback <laughs> and having Simon and Shuey, who I think was 18 and had a kid at the time. Talk about what childbirth was really like. <laughs> I still remember that. The look on your face. It was and a I reckon, corny, wasn't it? Yeah, that was at yeah, Clarence yeah, Gardens. Yeah, yeah. I remember sitting there as a kid. Like, <laughs> I don't know how old I was. I reckon I was 14, 15. I was thinking, shit, is that really what happened? And you had the same look on your face of like... And Shuey and Simon were like, oh, this is what happens. And mum's going, shut up, you guys. And I've <laughs> never seen a guy think, fuck, is that really what happened? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So kept, kept me dicking my pants at that time. <laughs> Which is the way it should be. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, mate, um, we can sit here and talk for hours, but um, we've done right, right? We could tick over longer. But um, thank yeah, you very much for joining us, mate. It's it's been good. Um, it's fantastic to see you back back at Adelaide. Um, the next bloke on the on the list, and every every podcast we do, we keep saying Dogger's got to come on because he's the big Ari Gold bloody player manager now. So have a few stories with him, yeah, but. Thanks for joining us tonight. Um, had a good yarn and glad to see you back firing at the Crows, mate. Thanks for having me, boys. Thank Cheers, you. Cheers, Raider. Thank you. Cheers, buddy.